Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I also, you know, so that Justin Fields stuff's great. We'll play you a lot of that audio. We'll discuss it and pick it apart uh, as we do every morning, and it's fun stuff. Did you read the Jerry Reinsdorf interview with Cranes? Yes. And I got to tell you, that's another one. You know, there's no audio of that, but we'll read you some of his comments and we'll pick apart some of the things he said. And and I was, I, I, I've got to be careful how I talk about this because as you know, I grew up a White Sox fan. I am a White Sox fan. I, I don't have a choice in it. I never had a choice in it. It was a, a schoolyard thing. Um, I made sure that, you know, I wasn't getting beaten any more than I did going to school every day. And I became a a Sox fan, um, and it's where you grow up and it's where your schoolyard allegiances are, et cetera. But I think that the Sox have been operating in a way over the last couple of years that is kind of, it's difficult. I know a lot of people that have fallen off as fans. I, I don't think you ever can say, well, I no longer like that. I quit, I quit following the way. I think that I don't know that you have a choice with that stuff. I really feel like I'm still a Sox fan. Would I wear a Sox hat? Absolutely. I used to wear one regularly, and I don't wear it as regularly. But if I see someone in a Sox hat, I'm kind of like, hey, well, good for you. I, I, I'm just saying that there's been a lot of things that have happened well, that have ostracized the fan base. I don't want to speak for you, but I think but you're – Jerry, man. Yeah, you, you, you're speaking uh, – on behalf of a lot of people who feel the same way because it feels as if, and I am not, I did not grow up a Sox fan. I grew up a Cub fan, but I, I have been here long enough to understand what's going on here. And it feels intentional because since let's, let, let's draw a line historically here. When things started to go downhill from, from, on the, from a baseball yeah. perspective, from a PR perspective was the moment they hired Tony La Russa. We don't need to relitigate that because that's kind of ground we've covered a lot. Sure. But it does seem like it's a continuation of an intentional, if you didn't know any better, a continuation yes. of an intentional attempt to alienate the fan base. That's a that's a fair way of putting it. Because what the latest example is, is that not only did Jerry Reinsdorf show up in a leather jacket to address the state legislature <laughs> to ask for a billion dollars in subsidies for a ballpark <laughs> that he has yet to... Yet to share how much he's going to actually invest in. A day later, he goes to Crane Chicago Business, who I guess he now views as his friendly media outlet. Clearly. And he threatens to move and he cries poor that he can't compete because the ballpark is outdated. Whose fault is that? And how how are you in the same city as the Chicago Cubs and going to claim what he's claiming with the history that he has and not investing in a team, it just all rings hollow and well, it smacks of hypocrisy 
and yes. it's galling yes. and upsetting. Yes. And I think that you have every right to be infuriated. Well, I, and again, I'm trying to separate <laughs> uh, my feelings from my emotional feelings and my emotional response to what is more or less he's describing kind of a math problem, right? And and I I don't know that that they are necessarily wrong, but I do think you know you can't go up there and giggle about the idea of pursuing Otani and then wait a few months and say well we couldn't get Otani because of the stadium it, it like you it, these are these are not in uh harmony these ideas he didn't say well you know we got a real stadium problem when he was asked about Otani he said I can tell you we're not going after Otani <laughs> It, it is really difficult to sort of coordinate those types of comments and look at him as a sympathetic figure in any fashion. What, what, what part do you see him having a point? I, I'm curious. I think, that, I think that if the White Sox were to move to the South Loop and they were to get a new building and they were to be part of what was described as a $4 billion project, and that is obviously not just the ballpark. It's all the surrounding The development, stuff. everything yes. going on around it. So if, sure. that, if that were to happen, I think that it would be a fantastic base for the team to remain in Chicago long term. I think there's a lot of positives that could come out of it. I just don't think Jerry should be the guy selling it. I- Sell the team and let the new owner with the deep pockets come in and be in charge of the project. The pro- the problem is he wouldn't get the money that he wants, and he wouldn't get all that he wants out of it. So it's difficult to look at Jerry and the history he's had with the White Sox and say, God, give this guy what he needs. No, Let's build this it, thing it, for there's Jerry. There's too much baggage that he brings to every exactly. conversation. That's but I'm just problem. curious, do you think that because of the attendance certainty is why you think that it would be – more lucrative for the White Sox in the South Loop? Do you think it'd be I just... Think they, I think they just... They, it would just be a massive uh, cash... You know, there'd be, uh, there'd be money pouring in from all... Just because of the from, activity and the level of their investment I mean, in it would make them money. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Of, I'm just trying to understand Think of everything that the Cubs yeah, get out, right. of the, out of the area and they get out of, the, uh, you know, the signage and everything else and the... And the prices they charge well, the and Rickets, all the rest of the it. The Ricketts have invested more than it seems as if what we know so far... That Jerry Reinsdorf would invest in the '78. Oh, that's no. more of a related Midwest venture as much as it yes, is anything. Totally agree. But I, but I do wonder why why uh, that's not being made clearer. And I do think that in, in in regard to your other point, selling the team would seem to be like the best solution for everybody right sure. now. Sure, he clearly doesn't want to own this team. No, he doesn't like this team. I think he likes being the owner, and I think he likes being the guy. Just that sell is- it. That is the front Sell it to man, somebody who cares. And he likes having a cigar and telling everyone what to do. But he likes to I, be right. I don't, I, I don't see – you know, I, I mean, I've got so many thoughts about this, David, and we'll get into this stuff. But I'm watching Chris Getz uh, just, you know, listening to some of the stuff he's saying. And it occurs to me, you know, this guy has such a better gig than Rick Hahn had. Because Rick Hahn had Kenny breathing down his neck. And Rick Hahn – you know, when you want to go make a trade, oh, Kenny just traded Jake Berger. It, it, it there is there is a different thing going on with the well, dynamic now, which is probably good for the young general manager. No, I don't know. No, if, it's not. 
I don't know if he deserves the job he has, and I don't know if he's directionless, but all he has to worry about is Jerry's budget. That's it. He doesn't have anybody else kind of telling him what to do. Rick Hahn never had that opportunity. Yeah, I don't know how the comparison. And I'm not saying that Rick Hahn would have been good I don't know, I don't know about the comparison to Hahn yet, but, but I think that what Chris Getz is, is doing <laughs> is that the only thing he can, he's trying to basically take advantage of an opportunity that he's really probably not ready for well, and, and may not have been deserving. But I think exactly. what this the whole process is has done is it has exposed a flaw, the flaw in the, in the void in the White Sox organization. Yes. Who is the team president? Who's the strong Nobody. voice, the front man? They don't the have one. They got Jerry. They're going cheap. They no, got, They no. got Jerry. Jerry he, is the owner slash president slash he's – He's turned into, right down to the members-only jacket, he's turned into Al Davis. He's turned into Al Davis. Michael which is, Reinsdorf needs uh, to get it, a floppy haircut. <laughs> Please, no. To complete the picture. Yeah, well, he's, he's not what he once was. None of us are, but he's going to be 88 on Sunday. And with due respect, he needs to get ready to step aside. Him being the front man for this project, him being the singular voice for this organization – isn't working. No. He won't hear us. No. He is tone deaf. It right. doesn't matter. We will still keep saying it because it's true. You need help, Jerry. Sell the team or get some.